Today's episode of No Dunks is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. Welcome to a special edition of No Dunks Podcast. I'm Lee Ellis. Today, we're going a long way from the basketball court and heading to the cricket pitch as I'll be talking to a man who has made himself known for the hours and hours of joy he's bringing to cricket fans around the world. He's been doing it for years, but most recently during the coronavirus, his services are in demand now more than ever. He boasts a collection of more than 25,000 cricket videos and DVDs. And it was only a day or so ago he was quote-tweeted himself by the great man Shane Warne. He is Rob Moody. Rob, how are you, man? I'm very good. How are you guys going? Very, very well, thanks, man. Uh, First off, how cool is it to have Shane Keith Warne retweeting some of the stuff you're putting out there on Twitter? Well, it's pretty cool. Even uh, last night I tried to go to bed, but I was getting retweeted by Shoaib Akhtar and Habajan Singh um, and... (laughs) other Pakistan players because I uploaded some random show back to our video a few days ago and then all of a sudden it just goes viral and uh, so yeah, yeah. the uh, it's pretty funny that even the test players and ex-players they're, they're also in lockdown so where do they go? Straight to yeah. social media. And everyone certainly loves seeing highlights of themselves doing something pretty special out there too. So, I mean, uh, you know, that's why you're getting these guys retweeting you. Yeah, and it, I'm always surprised that... Uh, most of the former players don't have videos of themselves from from matches they they play and so they're they're surprised when they go onto social media they see their own videos and uh, they they think it's pretty funny are any of them sending you any direct messages trying to get more clips of themselves or any specific um you know incidents from out there throughout their career yeah that's that's happened pretty regularly over the years um more so lately um but uh they also know what the fans want to see, uh, you know, from their own careers. You know, uh, I've I've been asked so many times for, you know, Glenn Maxwell's Test hundred, <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, things like that, which are nowhere to be seen uh, anywhere online. So, uh, you know, the players themselves are pleased when that stuff gets up for viewing on social media because they get to see it themselves as well. Yeah, now I, I read uh, that you've been recording, you know, whole cricket matches, test matches, one day as whatever, like uh, the Malaysia uh, Malaysia Cup or something I saw you had copied since 19, 1982. Now, uh, you know, you and I are about the same age. I'm 43. I think you said you're 42 in, 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 a, in an article I saw. Um, I mean... You know, when we were, when I was your age, and when we were kids, getting a, a, a copy of a uh, of a VHS video, I mean, they're not like a you know ten cents each; they're like three or four bucks. And uh, I mean, where did you get the money to pay for them all? Well, I mean, we remember like in the eighties, VCRs were pretty awesome. I mean, when your family got a VCR, <laughs> I mean, it was 
absolutely mega. And I have one of those top loading ones with this with the right. with the remote on the curly lead that you had to actually plug into the VCR. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. my dad had absolutely no idea how to use the thing. So I get home from school prep or something on grade one and I just play around there for hours. So I showed him how to record stuff and he, and he'd have to tune in the TV stations on on, on those little <laughs> things, remember? And it took ages to to tune the stations in. So he'd record, you know, Western movies and stuff like Blues Brothers and stuff. Everything that, that's on at night time, right? 8.30 to 11 or something. But on the weekend, Channel 9 would show domestic highlights from the weekend after the movie. So right. on a three or four hour tape, he'd just keep it going. And I'd gone to bed hours, hours before. Little did I know that I was recording the cricket. <laughs> And so when he'd rewatch the, the the videotapes, I, I'd keep I'd keep seeing the same guy uh, introduce the cricket. And it was Richie Benno, and so yeah, you know, after a couple of weeks of seeing these videos, I'm thinking, oh yeah, this is actually pretty cool. And so uh, so I I got into the habit of uh, asking my dad if I could have one of my own tapes to record the half an hour or hour highlights on. And I just, and after that, I just, yeah, literally for birthdays or didn't want to get paid in, in, in pocket money or anything for Christmas. All I wanted was blank tapes, um, as many <laughs> as I could. And of course, I bought the cheapest rubbish stuff I could get because I'm a kid. Yeah, so, yeah. But I got into trouble because I kept, I, every now and again, I was broke. So I'd pick one of my dad's tapes that I knew he hadn't watched for a while. And I thought, uh, he's not going to miss this one. And uh, I'd rip the label off <laughs> and record over it. <laughs> Got me into lots of well, trouble. So that's, that's the other thing. Like in our house, we only had like three tapes and they would sort of rotate around. You know, if you watch something and, uh, you know, a week later, basically that was open season. Anyone could just tape whatever they wanted after that. Um, but did you, did you have to hide them from your dad? I mean, did, did he ever say, hey, I need a tape to tape something? But you were just like, I'm not giving up one of my cricket tapes. No, I, I always hid them pretty well. Um, but uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny because, uh, you know, after a few years, there was a lot of tapes in the house. And it was pretty obvious that uh, most of them had turned into my tapes. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and when you're in, in the Aussie summer, you're at school all day. You know, you can't record a whole day's play. So right. there was heaps that I missed. But I made sure that I kept all the highlights, which are only half an hour. So you, you could get a whole test yeah. uh, on one tape easy. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm thinking back so long ago now. Like. Obviously, no one knew the internet was coming back then. I mean, you know, what were you just just planning on holding onto these tapes and just forever, or did did you ever get to a point where you're like, why do I still record all this stuff? I mean, you know, what am I ever going to do with it? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I guess it was around about the mid to late nineties. I thought, all right, like. I got a lot of tapes and they take up a lot of room as well. And my parents even gave me the master bedroom in the house just so I could put all my tapes in it. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And <laughs> That's funny, yeah. And, uh, but at some point I'm, I was thinking, oh man, this is now ridiculous. I even got jobs at supermarkets just so I could get staff discount on videotapes. <laughs> um, and, uh, but yeah, at some point uh, it, it did get too much with all the tapes, but... 
I was waiting for recordable DVD technology to become affordable and, and available. Once that started, it was a lot easier after that. Yeah, so that's kind of where you are, I guess, today, that you've transferred most of that stuff off the VCR tapes um, onto onto digital uh, CDs or, or DVDs or whatever it is now. I mean, you know, do you do you sort of sit through there and, and watch them, or you just put them on copy and leave them for you know a couple of hours or whatever, however long that that uh, tape is? Because I imagine that's where you find some of the old gold that people forget about. That you know, you're watching and all of a sudden, you know, a fantastic wicket, a funny moment, a great six, whatever it is, just so it happens to be there. Yeah, you just find that stuff and you, the things you don't see in the highlights, you know, uh, you, you just see it in the random ball-by-ball stuff, which uh, if no one saw it at the time, then it's just gone, you know. So that's pretty cool. And I'm definitely pleased that over the years I, I did make the effort to to record the full match and make the effort to to keep it, uh, you know, for 10, 20, 30 years because uh, <laughs> otherwise it was even the TV uh, the TV companies and the the cricket boards they didn't keep any of the ball by ball stuff they just kept the highlights you know uh, yeah um, they've got nothing like that so that's pretty cool because the you know seeing on on social media there's just millions of fans who are, who also remember the the small things here and there and I learn new things too just because I didn't see it you know or I didn't pay yeah. attention or I just wasn't you know. I just forgot. <laughs> How much yeah, can so, you remember? I mean, you, you get tons of requests on on Twitter and and stuff. I mean, you know, are, are there things there that you're you were ever kind of like, oh man, I don't remember that, but I can I can kind of remember the year or the Test match or the series, and you can go and dig it out. Yeah, yeah. Like someone asked me just last night, do I have this incident from an Ashes Test in 2010 where? Tony Gregg and, and Richie Benno were getting all confused because they couldn't figure out the new technology they were using to put something on screen for graphics or show a field placement. I'm thinking, man, are you kidding? Like, I'm never going to find that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but enough people helped and said, hey, we're pretty sure it's in this match on this day. Uh, so do your work. Go and figure out when they were both on commentary for a <laughs> half an hour and uh, go through it. I'm like, sure, I guess I'll do that today. But when I find that, I know it's going to be good. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's definitely good to get extra help to find stuff because I can't possibly remember everything. It's just too much. So, you, you know, you started your YouTube channel uh, about 10 years ago, I believe it was. Um, you just you just decided, you know, YouTube was still fairly new at the time. You thought you'd put things up. But did you think that you would attract the sort of uh, following that you've got? I mean, you're up to nearly a billion views on, on YouTube for all your videos there. Um, I mean, when did it sort of go from you just putting up a, a couple of videos to just exploding to that level? Well, when I started, I was just talking to some mates about a couple of Aussie domestic players like Greg Blewett or Damian Martin. And uh, and we were talking about this one innings in, in Hobart against England. And I, and I thought, you know what, I've actually got that. Uh, uh, do you guys want to see it? And they're like, yeah. So I thought, okay, well... Hey, do you want me to send it? And they go, well, you can chuck it on YouTube. I'm like, YouTube? <laughs> I hadn't really yeah. used it much. There wasn't a lot on YouTube in the first couple of years. It was, it was really, it was pretty niche. And lots of novelty videos, you know, cat videos. Um, so I thought, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll chuck that video up. And I did. And then, yeah, heaps of comments came and people were going, oh, wow, I can't believe you've got this. Do you have this one? Do you have this one? I'm like, yeah, I guess I do. Uh, if you want to see it, I guess I'll 
chuck it up, nothing else to do, sure. And then it just steamrolled really quick, you know. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I couldn't quite believe it. And I thought to myself, man, surely I can't be the only one that's taped all this stuff. I mean, you know, it didn't seem that odd at the time. Turns out it was really odd, but <laughs> but it just kept going, and I didn't have any thoughts of longevity or anything. I just thought, ah, you know, it's whatever. I'll chuck up these matches or in or innings or incidents. You know, channels get shut down all the time, so I'm sure it'll go at some point. So I'll just keep doing it until the end comes, and so be it. But it's just kept going. Yeah, well, now it's 2020. Yeah, I mean, you know, to that end, I mean, uh, you, you, I know recently in the last week or so, you, basically the ICC, you know, either threatened you or they told you to take down those videos because they, they want to put them up. I mean, but I think largely because of the success of your work, you know, the ICC and, and cricket bodies have realized there's such a demand for these sorts of highlights and, and things out there like that. So you kind of got that, you know, in motion and, and they've decided to come and, I guess, try to take over. Is that is that a fair assessment? Um, initially, I thought, oh, yeah, that's that sucks. But then, uh, you know, the dealings I've had with cricket boards and the ICC have largely been really positive and they've told me they don't want to shut me down because even they like my stuff. So they're just like, just if you can adhere to sort of I guess an unwritten rule with uh, which is basically don't step on their toes and they won't step on mine so uh, there's yeah. certain footage from certain uh, ICC events that uh, going back to 92 that they prefer me not to show and uh, they didn't have to you know have that conversation they could have just uh, thought stuff him delete <laughs> um, so that's really good um, and I've, I've made that, I've tried to make that clear on, on social media that, you know, the ICC do shut down heaps of heaps of channels, but uh, they could have done that to me and I would have had no recourse at all. So that's a that's yeah. a, a, a positive thing. And to be honest, what they've asked me to take down is nothing great anyway. I mean, it's not really my, my area. And now that they've opened up their, their archive, so they say, um, they've been showing... Uh, ball by ball world cup matches on their facebook page which is pretty cool um but uh, gee there's a lot of stuff that <laughs> that uh people want to see and they even they can't possibly show at all um yeah. so but yeah i'm happy to stay out of their way um I've yeah got, well yeah. I mean, uh, talking about them putting up clips, I mean, they're putting up now, you know, LBW or controversial decisions and saying out or not out. Yeah, I saw that. Basically, rip, rip, rip. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's ripping off a page from, from your Twitter page for sure. There's not even, yeah, you know, they're, they're not even pretending. I mean, I'm waiting for them to tweet the next thing with classic old gold. Caps, oh, my God. You know? Yeah, that's really funny. Well, hey, what do they say? <laughs> Imitation and flattery and everything. Uh, but, yeah, that, yeah, that's just really funny. But, uh yeah, I mean, I don't really care about that. I mean, that's, you know, that's fine. You know, where it's, yeah. uh, you know, especially now, you know, where everyone here is in 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 lockdown, all the fans are in lockdown, everyone's uh, sort of bored. You know, everyone wants to see the stuff. So, however they can see it, it doesn't have to be just me who's doing it. <laughs> so, so what what about? What about now when we when we do start playing sport again? I mean, are you still recording cricket games now from from everywhere? Yeah, 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 yeah. I still well, it's, you can do it uh, remotely these days. I mean, when I'm 
You know, most of my work uh, usually is uh, playing in bands on, on cruise ships, and obviously that's died completely at the moment. Yeah. But even then, I can still record the matches remotely from even on, on the ship, you know, so uh, that's really good. So I don't miss anything, uh, which is really, really cool. Um, and there's no, there's no physical uh, worry anymore, because it just goes straight yeah. to big hard drives at home. So... Uh, yeah, no, I'll make sure that I that I I uh, I, I still get everything, um, and there's more being shown now than ever. So there's a lot to get. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess though now it's a little bit harder to sort of corner that market that you have because you know everyone, you know, the ICC and the Big Bash League and the Indian Premier League, like they're all putting up, you know, clips as it as it's happening real time. So it doesn't lend itself to quite the same way, you know, that you've made yourself, uh, you know, so well known here on social media but do you uh, you know the other thing i want to ask you you know again because we're about the same age um are you a 2020 fan do you, have you, have you has it grown on you has it gotten into your uh, into your bloodstream there yeah i've always liked it i especially i mean overall i've always been a fan of uh, domestic cricket in general um and so i, I quite enjoyed the domestic 2020s uh i i don't like the international 2020s so much i kind of think it's a bit of a waste um, because there's so few of them, there's no meaning to it. You know, at least with the domestic stuff, it's really good. The Big Bash is great. IPL is great. The, uh, you know, the English stuff is great. The New Zealand stuff, the South African stuff, the CPL in West Indies, it's an awesome atmosphere on TV. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's all fine. Um, it's, it's, I think the one thing fans have talked about for years is context with everything, you know, context with tests, context with the one day is i mean how much a one day is just in a, in a completely gray area these days you know no one really yeah. cares about them at all unless they're in a world cup and international t20s are pretty much the same i mean you know uh, someone asked the other day do i have uh, south africa australia t20 series from 2016 or something and i thought man i don't even remember that even happening yeah and then you check it out it was just it was a they they went there for three t20s and came home it's like what's the point you know there's literally yeah. no context there whatsoever so at least with the domestic 2020s it's a big deal whenever they happen because they're they're part of a major uh tournament and uh, yeah. you know, and, th- and that's really cool. Yeah, well, uh, you know, talking about the one day cricket, I mean, that's that's the other thing I think that is uh, wh- why your a lot of your posts are so popular and so loved by you know people who grew up in the eighties and nineties because you look at those grounds, whether it was the MCG or the Gabba or wherever, and they were packed for uh, every one day. Uh, you know, particularly when obviously when Australia was playing, um, you know, and and that one you put up just the other day, you know, Dean Jones where he hits the hundred and forty five against England, like. Like I, rem- I remember that as clearly as anything where, you know, Eddie Hemmings is just throwing pies at him and he's just belting them onto the dog track and, and the classic call of uh, Richie Benno, just reach out and catch it, Jeffrey. Like that stuff to me, you know, I, I remember that as if it was like, you know, a, a year or two ago. But I just think that was also, you know, such a great time for one day cricket. I think it was more popular than test cricket at the time. Um, because, you know, we just had, it, it really took off kind of like the way 2020 cricket, I guess, took off in the last, you know, what, five or six years or, or longer. But at that time, you know, those one days, we had to watch them as kids. You had to sit through them. But now one day cricket to me, it's just, it, it's very, very hard to, to uh, capture that same emotion and that same drama that, that we had growing up. Yeah, well, it's just changed. I mean, you know, the whole 
back in my day thing, but you know, uh, yeah. I, I can remember very clearly, you know, just literally running home from school because the one day was started two thirty or two twenty or something. As soon as that three p.m. bell hit, I was out of there, just racing home, <laughs> hoping that Australia were batting first. <laughs> um, especially at the MCG, as I live in Melbourne, we only got the first two hours on TV. Yeah. So and that ended at like four thirty. So I wanted to see as yep. much as I could before that four thirty time came, uh, and then waiting till eleven thirty at night for the highlights. But yeah, you. Even when I I I'd go to a match, even when it was freezing cold, you know, uh, which was often <laughs> in Melbourne, um, it was just packed, you know, and the atmosphere was nuts. Yeah. Everyone's got banners, and uh, you know, uh, matches were always low scoring at the MCG. The ground was always slow, um, so big, yeah, as well. But then, but yeah, you'd see it on TV, and you think, wow, that was what an enormous atmosphere, and even. I mean, the Gabba was always a really awesome viewing game because it always seemed to be just completely packed. Sunny, packed, yeah. fast outfield, you know, the dog track. Um, and it always see heaps of sixes, whereas you rarely see a six at the MCG. It's so huge. Until they sort of, yeah, they brought the rope in, I guess, you know, sort of towards the end of the 90s when people were hitting sixes, but not into the crowd per se. Yeah, and one of the best things was when you'd, when there was a six, it was like a huge event. It was like, did you see that six? There was a six last yeah. night at the MCG. No way. You know, because <laughs> it was such a big, especially square the wicket. It's huge. Yeah. You know, down the ground is like, you know, uh, all square is, is the equivalent of straight down the ground at Adelaide. You know, you rarely see yeah. these sixes down the ground at Adelaide because um, it's just you know, so well, long. Speaking of that Dean Jones innings where he hit the 145, do you, do you remember something... Uh, about that innings that could have dramatically changed it? Uh, there was a run out yes. early on. Was it Martin Bicknell bowling or something? Uh, I don't remember who was bowling, but I remember Jones. I think he was only on, you know, maybe like second or third ball, maybe maybe a little bit later into his innings, but he was clearly out. But the umpire, the umpire was uh, like Jones basically ran in front of the umpire, so he couldn't call him out. But he was out by maybe a foot like it was a it was a um you know a, a huge turning point really in that innings um you know because jones was was trying to get i guess just get off to a good start but uh yeah it was a great throw maybe defratus from the outfield ran him out uh and then of course you know the, but no one remembers that everyone just remembers him, him uh, sending those balls into the uh into the crowd yeah especially especially from about the halfway point him and Jeff Marsh just decided to go for it, you know, uh, and uh, yeah. even Marsh was hitting sixes. But, uh, yeah, that yeah. was, uh, yeah, that's definitely one of, one of the best iconic run-scoring games uh, in Aussie Aussie uh, Aussie one cricket in, in this country because uh, it just looks so clean and fast, you know. And also oh, the yeah. other thing that uh, people don't often uh, – talk about is the picture quality actually improved as well as that was the 90s uh yeah you know the camera quality improved so the coverage improved and uh you could see the ball a bit clearer and uh you know if you look at the mid 80s it's pretty hard to see even the white ball in 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 some of the games and forget the tests so that yeah. that was the other cool thing with with the in the early 90s was the coverage getting better and clearer. It still looks clear to this day. Um, 
and you can see that white ball just fly, which is absolutely cool, and just race along the ground. You know, the other the other uh, part, what I like, it's not just the sixes and the and the catches and the wickets. It's uh, some of the quirkiest stuff that you don't sort of remember or you've compiled them yourselves. You know, one of them is the, the Glenn McGrath, every four that he's ever hit of uh, in test cricket. But I think my favorite one, and I couldn't believe it, I was, I was looking at this last night. There is 23 minutes of Inzamam Ulhaq funny runouts. I mean, <laughs> how do you compile 23 minutes of one guy having funny runouts? Not just like runouts, but like goofy ones where he's, you know, he either just stops and falls over. I think that's at the 99 World Cup. Um, and then there's other times where he sort of just, he's running and then he just stops and then he just starts walking off. I mean, like, when, when did you sort of see a theme there? Well, everyone knew for years and that he was, you know, so bad at, at either running himself out or particularly running his teammates out. And you hear it in the commentary, even in that video, you hear it. It's like, you know, Ian Chappell's only matter of time with Inzamam, you know, and they already knew after a few years that he was so bad. And people kept asking, mate, you got to do an Inzamam compilation. I was like, oh, it's going to take forever. And it did take forever. And the funny thing was, I didn't need to find the funny ones. Every run out was right. funny. They're all funny. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, in the end, I actually had to stop because uh, it was taking too long. And there, there, was, there was about 10 that I missed out on. Um, and I, I just left it at, at, at 23 minutes, which is, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, yeah that, that's funny. <laughs> that one where he just sort of falls over. Yeah, he sort of he hits it and then he just falls. Yeah, I think that was... Um, I think I was at that game. It was at Headingley in the 99 World Cup. Yep, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. And, and I remember because I was there with some friends and I was like, we were we just couldn't believe what had happened. It's like, this guy just like... He just fell over. How do you just fall over? <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. Well, that was the funniest part of that game was from memory. Australia lost that match. Uh, yeah, we did. We did. Uh, Moen Khan, I remember. Moen Khan hit... I think he hit Glenn McGrath in the last three overs, like for 35 runs or something like that. Um, it was it was actually a really it was a really good game, really good atmosphere. But uh, yeah, Australia Australia lost that one, but they made up for it anyway in the in the end there. Yeah, in the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, what you know now you know because I know in the last couple of weeks, especially since we've all been in quarantine here, you've been getting tons of of requests on Twitter. You know what is the uh, what is the most requested? Is there one that people just keep on asking for that you know you've probably tweeted out? You know, dozens of times, but people keep wanting to see one particular clip. Um, no, really, it's it's more of a just a bunch of stuff. I mean, people like yeah. well, Indians love to ask for the uh, Tendulkar uh, LBW in Adelaide of McGrath in uh, in ninety nine, but uh, yeah, that's all all over YouTube anyway. But but for some reason, people want to see the stuff on Twitter, which yeah, which I'm which is a big surprise to me. I mean, I've always posted clips to Twitter every now and again, just when I can be bothered. But um, the response there is is way better than on YouTube, which I'm not quite sure why. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I can't put my finger on it. But, hey. I guess it's it's easier for people to consume on Twitter, and then you know when you see you know Shane Warne, and I, I saw Shane Warne, and then Mark War was was talking back to him about that clip we talked about off the top of the show there, the LBW in India. I mean, you know when you've got when you've got those guys there talking with each other, I mean, it just gives such credibility to everything that you're doing, and um, you know people that's I guess people now see you as the 
as the archive that they can go to and uh, and, and request whatever they want. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I mean, that that particular in- interaction made it in- into the news in India, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and there there's a video up of a news report which highlights my tweet. You know, on the wow. on the vision, and uh, and I'm I'm thinking, oh no, this is. Uh, this yeah. is going to be the end, the end for Rob. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, because I, I thought about that as well, because he's clearly out. It's, it's, it's no doubt that he's out in that. And that, that was a huge uh, blow for Australia because he went on to make 155 in that particular innings. And, uh, and we lost that series 2-0. I think, was that the first test as well, I believe? Yeah, it was the first test. Uh, he was out cheaply in the first innings and everything was yeah. going well and... Uh, Everything didn't go well after that. W. We we didn't have um, we didn't have McGrath or Gillespie though in that in that series. Correct. Uh, yeah, we had uh, yeah we had uh, in the first test it was uh, Mike Kaspowitz and uh, Paul Rifle, and then Paul Wilson yeah. came in after that, and then Adam Dale. So it was nowhere near yeah. our best uh, attack. But we'd had no. a McGrath and Shane Warner both had. A year, two years, and pretty much non-stop up, up to that point. I mean, because we had the Ashes the year before in England, yeah, um, and the Tour to South Africa, yeah, and it was just heaps of cricket non-stop. Big summer at home against West Indies, sorry, against uh, New Zealand and South Africa, and uh, it was pretty much non-stop. And but by, by, by the time it got to the end of that uh, 97-98 season, the yeah, the bowlers were uh, were struggling. I mean, Andy Bigger was injured as well. Yeah, Gillespie was injured. McGrath was injured. Yeah. Shimon back from injury. We we had to pick Gavin Robertson, <laughs> you know, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's you know, right. and he made a, Didn't he make a fifty as well in that uh, in that test? I think. Yeah, in his first innings in the first test. Yeah, he made a fifty <laughs> and got four wickets. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, we also had Colin Miller on the sidelines, who soon. Became, oh, funky. Yeah, he became really, really good. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're, yeah, that series was a, was a tough one. But yeah, no different to the many overseas teams that have come to our country and just had injuries galore. Yes. You know, I mean, yeah. in, in England, 94, 95 Ashes, I think they had 20, they used 21 players or something. They just went down, you know. Yeah. The, the difference between the first test and the fifth test was chalk and cheese with the players they were using. So happens to everyone you know oh yeah especially away tours which is yeah, happens all the time well ment- mentally i mean you know when you're on the road for maybe you know two months at a time i mean that's that's got to be tough on players to you know when they're missing their families and, and things like that i mean i think when you compare it to other sports uh nobody spends as much time in a, in a different country uh, you know, away from their family as cricketers do. It's it, it's got to be it's got to be tough on a lot of them. I mean, I saw. I remember. Uh, I think it was Marcus Treskovic from England. You know, he he sort of left the Australian tour, and uh, so did uh, somebody else. I remember in about two thousand six, two thousand seven. Uh, yes, uh, Thorpe left a series after the first test in yeah. uh, ninety eight, ninety nine. Was a mix of injury and homesickness. Uh, um, yeah. Obviously, there was the a bunch of guys in the 2013-14 with Trot and Swan um, and Pryor all retiring mid-series, which is weird. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Trescothic was in 2002, played the first test. Actually, yeah. no, that was 20, that was 
2006. That actually that was because he 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 went home before the first test. He trained, did the right. tour match, and then went home. Yeah. Yeah, mm. I wanna I wanna play a little game with you now too, uh, Rob. So what I'm gonna do it, it, it's called uh, what you got. What you got? What you got? So I'm gonna give you two. I'm gonna give you two choices, and you have to pick whichever one you know you think is the winner, the better one. Okay. 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 First one, the cleanest six. We talked about it already. Dean Jones off Martin Bicknell versus England. The one that just reach out and catch it, Jeffrey, or Mark Waugh versus New Zealand in 1997 at Perth. That basically goes on the roof of the. Uh, is it, it might be the members stand. Yeah, well, I reckon Mark Waugh had less pace to work with, and was pretty big six. So I'm gonna yeah. go. With, I'm gonna go with that one. Mark Waugh. Yeah, I, I think uh, they actually have to get a new ball out after that. Uh, they bring out one of those ones that's got about you know 30 overs worth of the, worth of use on it because. Uh, no one could get up there and get it off the uh, off the roof. All right, the second one. Better or bigger innings? VVS Laxman's 281 at Calcutta, 2001, or Brian Lara's 213 at Jamaica in 99? Um, yeah, that's a tough one. Both innings were under the pump and uh, uh, both won the match and series. I think I'll go with Laxman. Yeah. Just because he was Just so considering- far behind in the game. So far yeah. behind. They were like three for 110, I think, in that second innings. Um, and Tendulkar went out. Maybe LB to McGrath. And it was kind of it was kind of assumed that Australia were about to win not only that test, but the series and keep their uh, streak alive at that time because they'd won 16 in a row. And then Laxman just, it was just incredible. Um, yeah, that, that I, I remember watching that with friends and we were just like, this, this is unbelievable. Because he made 60 in the first innings, I think. And then, uh, and that two hundred and eighty. I mean, he just he just didn't play a bad stroke at all. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I couldn't believe it. I I can remember actually. Uh, my wife had glandular fever at the time, and she was out of action for about eight weeks. And it was exactly the time frame of that Indian series. So I sat right. at home looking out after her the whole time, and uh, just <laughs> thinking, well, this is great, you know. <laughs> glandular fever in the house. Laxman and Drava to smashing us. We lose. This is great, yeah. you know. So yeah, that was. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean that that, uh, that that Brian Lara two hundred and thirteen though. Just quickly on that, I mean that saved that series for the West Indies too, because uh, if he doesn't make it in that, then Australia almost certainly win go two up in that series, and it's a dead series. But he hit one hundred and fifty in that series. He'd had another one hundred and thirty eight as well. Uh, that was one of the best series I've ever seen, even though it was two two in the end. But um, you know, just seeing Lara. When he virtually that, at that point already, the West Indies just didn't have anyone. They, they that that dominant era was well and truly on its way out. But Lara was just uh, just incredible. He was awesome. I mean, you couldn't believe it. And I'd wake up because those matches started at midnight Australian time, yeah. and they go to sort of seven a.m., eight a.m. And uh, I just I I remember very clearly with the two thirteen, um, I fell asleep around two a.m. And I woke up at three and I thought, oh, Lara's still in. Uh, bugger. Went back to bed. Woke up again at about five and I'm like, oh, he's still in. And then I woke up <laughs> at the end of the day's play. I was like, we still got no wickets. It's still four down. And 
Jimmy yeah. Adams was on about 70 or 80 and Lara's on the yeah. 200. And I thought, oh, no, this is not happening. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lara, as well on that innings, when he was on 99, he took a risky single and, and was so close to being run out because um, all, the, all the fans ran out into the ground, but no one knew if he was in or out. Um, and uh, but luckily he, you know, for him in that series, he he was he was safe. But uh, it was very close. All right, number three here, a better over. We got Andrew Flintoff to Ricky Ponting at Edge Baston in two thousand and five, or was him Akram at the ninety two World Cup when he got out Alan Lamb and Chris Lewis? Well, the World Cup over was pretty uh, pretty epic. Um, the uh, Flintoff has a bit of a history of uh, creating pretty amazing overs. One to Callus, as well, yep. uh, and the the Ponty one was pretty was pretty epic. Um, uh, again, the one of the most iconic series ever. You know. Uh, yes. Um, I, th- I think history will, will will look at the the ninety two one being the uh, being the most famous. But I, I'm gonna go with Flintoff just because the the. The home crowd were going nuts, and yeah. even though there were heaps of Pakistan supporters at the MCG, uh, that uh, that ponting over and just that whole game was insane. Yeah, I mean that that series was amazing, and and the the thing I liked about that um, with with uh, Andrew Flintoff in 05, Michael Vaughan basically just said sort of like what Javed Mirdad said doing it, just just go in and just bowl as fast as you can, and because uh, he got Justin Langer. With with I think the second ball that over and then every ball to Ponting, including the uh, no ball, you know Ponting looked like he was a, a scrub out there. Yeah. You know? I mean it was just he could have been out LBW almost first ball, and then he got he gets bat on one that goes to slip and then and the one that gets him out. I mean it's just a perfect perfect delivery. Yeah, it's just crazy. And when you see that now, you think, man, Flintoff, uh, he must average like. 22 or 23 with the ball and you see his record and you think what <laughs> it's pretty it's yeah. not it's certainly not bad by any means but uh for the amount of uh, match turning moments he was capable of uh, yeah. and renowned for in his career um his his his, his record should be a whole lot better because we saw him bowl from that series onwards and every time even in the next Ashes in Australia and the next one in England in 2009, he he bossed every time he bowled. You know, he looks yeah. awesome, never got hit around. And then you think, man, uh, how's this guy still urging 32 or 33 with the ball? You know, that's crazy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm, I think even the English fans can answer that. But I guess in, in an all-round package, you know, you hope that you have an all-rounder, much like, you know, and both of them's stats aren't mind-blowing either. But uh, when you can turn a match with bat or ball, those are things that you you hope your all-rounder can, can pull off, you know. And uh, I'm sure English fans don't care about his average when he when they think about what he what he achieved in the in those particular two Ashes series in 05 and 09, which was just oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah, he he was definitely an impact player but uh, the longevity just wasn't really there for his career but you know he was a bigger guy as well and I think those injuries caught up with him a little bit later um, I'm glad you brought up Ian Botham though because he's uh, one of the options in this next one here <laughs> who had who had more arrogance mainly as a batsman Ian Botham or Viv Richards Viv Richards any day yeah yeah <laughs> yeah because with Botham the the famous Viv Richards swagger I mean 
bowlers would uh, think they had, they had a plan <laughs> and it didn't work. Um, with both of them, you knew that he didn't have immense amount of patience, didn't have the, the technique that uh, Viv had. Obviously, you know, Viv averaged 50. Um, but both of them, obviously, on his day could go nuts. But Viv had more days <laughs> where he did much more bigger things. And, uh, yeah, I think with both of them, you, you knew that, uh, Bowles knew that if he could keep it tight, you know, he'd eventually nick one. Uh, whereas Viv, you'd just be hoping like hell that, yeah, he, he just didn't get going because he was just unstoppable. He tortured us in the 80s. I mean, like any time he batted, you just felt that he could just swagger his way to 80 without even really trying, you know, no helmet, you know, Merv, Merv Hughes would come in with his trying to, you know, trying to intimidate him, and Merv, and uh, Viv would just hit him all around the park without even barely making that much effort, you know. And then he'd just sort of he'd have the collar there, and he'd be doing a bit of gardening on the pitch, and it was just like this guy is just incredible. He just doesn't. He just knows how good he is, and he's not scared of anyone or anything. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And one of the bizarre stats with Viv Richards is that he only actually had one match-winning Test 100 in Australia, which is exactly the oh, same really? as Lara. Yeah, only one. Um, Viv's other 200s in Australia, which he only had three in, in three in, in Test cricket wow. in Australia. The other two were in draws. Same with Lara. Lara only had one innings in Australia where it was, was in a win, a, a Test win that was in 96, 97. Um, but with Viv, it was more than that. It was, it was all the one-day series, which... West Indies yeah. seemed to come here every year. It was so unfair in the yeah, 80s. I, know. <laughs> I mean, you just couldn't believe it. And and when he did hit an 80, you know, at the Gabber or the Wacker or something, it was news, you know, because people didn't score centuries all the time in, in, in the one no. days back then. Um, you know, so, and yeah, Viv would hit three or four fours and <laughs> that that was news for the weekend. You know, he, yeah. he just wanted to see those four but, fours again. But you know, they just the, the West Indies had such coolness to them as well. You know, they they turned up and they they just the way they walked and talked, and then they went out and and again they just brutalised Australia throughout throughout the eighties. I mean, everyone kind of did though. Like Australia weren't weren't very good in the eighties at all. I remember you know a, a series against New Zealand about eighty four eighty five, like that was one where we had to win. You know, because it was like we've got to at least be able to beat New Zealand. Yeah, right. Um, and we didn't. <laughs> and we didn't. Yeah, we didn't. But that was at least that was like a struggle for us then, because it felt. Remember England in eighty six, eighty seven. Like they, they. What was that series score? I know that they won that one. Three one. Uh three one. Yeah, and and that was you know pretty comfortable as well. Um, so it it was so tough for Australia just to get any sort of victory, and then not only that. You know, Viv and, and Kirtley Ambrose and uh, Michael Holding, and they were all just so cool as well. It was like, man, these guys are just—they're perfect. You know, <laughs> they're, they're way, way better, than, way better than us at cricket, and way cooler than us as well. Definitely cool. There was something I found out just the other day which I did not know, and I can't believe I didn't know. Uh, Australia tour with Dinnies in '84 for a Test series, and we were next yep. due to go there in '88, um, which would have meant going there in uh, mid-88 and then facing them again at home in the 89th summer. And I only found out that the Australian Cricket Board lobbied to cancel that mid-88 series because they didn't want a repeat of 84 where we played 10 tests in a row against West Indies. Right. And obviously got smashed. 
Um, <laughs> and Bob Simpson had taken over as coach by then, in, in obviously in, in 85, 86. So they, he, he lobbied, apparently, to get that series scrapped and to save it for the next time we were due to go there, which was 91. Um, yeah. So that could have been... Uh, that could have made a big difference to whether we won the 89 Ashes or not if we had just played yeah. West Indies for 10 tests in a row Ooh, and obviously yeah. got smashed. So, yeah, I, I actually... Yeah, I, I, I think that's amazing yeah, if that actually is true that, uh, you know... Uh, that I think I read the official line from Cricket Australia is that the West Indies board cancelled it, but... Yeah, whatever. But I can. There's merit. Those days are so long gone now, though. I mean, we, you know, Australia hasn't played the West Indies in Australia since uh, 2000, have they? Is that right? We last played West Indies in Australia when Adam Voges got the massive 200, which was 2015, 16 season. Yeah, right. We we played them in Australia in. 2005-06, where Mike Hussey and Brad Hodge debuted, and then again in 2009, 2010, oh, yeah, yeah, right. and uh, yeah, and then 2015-16, where where Vogue just came on the scene and was just making double hundreds for fun against everyone. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that, that's true. I've been living overseas. I've been living in North America for uh, nearly 15 years now, so I've, I have lost a little bit of touch with uh, with the cricket from there, but uh, it, it just doesn't have that, that same appeal anyway, though, you know, when, um, you know, because like, you go down the line of players, you know, Jeffrey Dujon and Malcolm Marshall and uh, Gus Logie and Larry Gomes, uh, you know, all those guys. They were all just so, you know, Gordon Greenwich and uh, Desmond Haynes. I mean, they were just household names to everybody. Yeah, they were iconic. I mean, I was just remembering the other day that in 2009-10, West Indies played a young opening batsman who made a century on debut and virtually never played again, um, Adrian <laughs> Barrett. And... Uh, Right. He was like 19, eight, I think he was 18 at the time. And everyone yeah. was thinking, wow, finally a, a West Indies star who's young. Yeah. Next thing you know, two years later, he's gone. So the, yeah. definitely the player recognition has uh, has definitely dipped, yeah. obviously, a lot. I mean, the, yeah. these days people can't believe that the West Indies were at what they were successful at all because you just can't see it. There's literally no, no... There's nothing there that you see in their play that... You can see, see that they were ever, you know, a team that could get anywhere near number one, let alone su- sustain it for twenty years. Yeah, it's yeah, unbelievable. Well, that's, so that's the uh, the last the last what you got there. I want to ask you what what was Australia's biggest test win? I think I'm pretty sure I know where you're going to go here, but I'll ask it anyway. The '89 Ashes, which was four nil to Australia, or the '95 two one West Indies series. Yeah, '95 for sure. Yeah, um, you yeah. could just you could just sense it. I mean. When Steve Hall got the 200, it was just insane. Um, the whole yeah. country was just like, you know, for my generation, I never saw us beat them, ever. I mean, the yeah. last time we beat the West Indies before that was 75, 76, I mean, before either yeah. of us were born. So I literally grew up just like Poms have grew up in the, <laughs> in the 90s, <laughs> seeing England yeah. get smashed. That's why 2005 was so huge for us. Yeah. But the difference with 95 was that you could tell this was a West Indies team that was absolutely beatable. And uh, yeah. whereas the Aussie team, they got harder to beat for, for a few years after 2005 because they were, they were definitely keen to uh, restore some pride there. Whereas West Indies, they had already had a few years where they weren't winning. I mean, they went to England in 91 and drew. After we yeah. played them and, and beat them, they went to England and drew a series again. So... 
they didn't beat England. Uh, the last time they beat England in England was 1988. Um, so, oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, so they were already on the way down. And they'd already lost Viv and Desmond Haynes and Greenwich yeah. and Dujon and Logie and Marshall. So 95 seemed like a ripe time to beat them. And they had a host of of batsmen who were not much good. You know, they didn't last the series. Yeah. Stuart Williams and um, yeah. Sherwin Campbell. Carl Hooper was the same... <laughs> Random no. batsman as no, it always was. No. Keith Arthur did did absolutely nothing. Yeah, Arthurdon had one good innings. Arthurdon had one good innings against Australia. That was in Brisbane. Um, in in you know he hit the hundred and fifty seven not out, but that was the only time he ever made any runs against us. Um, yeah, and uh, that no, that uh, that Steve War two hundred. Uh, I believe that was the one where the big the big cat runs out onto the ground to uh, to congratulate him. <laughs> and that was like five a.m., six a.m. Aussie time, yeah. and you just thought, oh my god, this is intense. I mean, Steve War of all the players, I mean, of all the guys yeah. to take on the West Indies in that series, you were sure it was going to be Slater, yeah. Slater or Boone. You know, yeah. they're the guys who are going to do it for us. Was they both had pathetic series. And uh, Steve War of all the guys, you know, like two years prior to that, you're thinking, man, Steve was okay, but he's still averaging early 40s. But then he comes out and averages 100 in this West Indies series out of nowhere. Yeah. And all of a sudden, number one player in the world, not Tendulkar, yeah. not Lara. Um, and you thought, wow, and his stature just went through the roof. And Glenn McGrath as well. Oh, I mean, yeah. after that series, Glenn McGrath, Steve War, that they were the number one guys. And yeah. And proven as well. After that, for the next decade, they were the best. So at one point, Steve Steve War and Mark War were one and two in the world too, I, I believe. Yeah, it wasn't long after that series because Mark yeah. War had a couple of great years after that too. You know, ninety six, ninety seven, yeah. ninety eight. They were great for him. And so yeah, yeah uh, that was a pretty awesome time. We had Shane Warne on fire, yeah. McGrath on fire, and our backup yeah. bowlers were all getting you know, pretty useful wickets too. Rifle and. Casper, Fleming, yeah. McDermott was on on the way out, um, but yeah. we didn't we didn't miss McDermott <laughs> at almost at all. No, no. Well, Gillespie came along pretty quickly after that, and uh, I mean he was incredible. Yeah, he was incredible in that '97 Ashes uh, tour. Yeah, that that those back to back tours in South Africa and England where he just looked yeah. really quick. Um, oh yeah, incredible. Uh, and then all then all of a sudden Brett Lee comes along, and you're like, wow, <laughs> we, yeah. we got some yeah. serious pace here. I mean, yeah. I was scared even watching Bretley bowl in the first year or so of his career. In, in oh, one yeah. day as in tests, he was absolutely just ferocious. Him and, yeah. and Shoal Akhtar was just like, wow, like this is seriously yeah. just out and out, just express bowling, which is awesome. Yeah, it's great. It's great with, uh, you know, uh, Shoa Bakhtar, you know, coming after Waka Yunus and uh, Wazim Akram, you know, he, he was quicker than those guys, but he was also, you know, had the chains going, he had the hair going, he had his shirt open, like, he was, he was all that emotion that it was so captivating to watch. I mean, sometimes, like, he would get hit for tons, but other times you'd seen him just dismantle, like, the wickets, you know, just destroy them. I, I think it was against Australia in, uh, in, uh, in Dubai or Sharjah or somewhere like that, where he just ruins the Australian top order, where it's just it's just out and out pace. Um, you know that's what he was capable of, but he just he was just inconsistent with it. I, I thought, but um, you know the, the 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 Pakistani team, a little bit like the West Indies, like they they've always had fun players to watch, like you know Saeed Anwar and, and Akram, of course, uh, Amir Sahail at the top of the order. You know, like throughout their time. 
there's there's been a lot of chaos surrounding the Pakistani team. There's you know a different coach and a different captain every couple of weeks. But some of those guys were just such talented cricketers. They were always so incredibly fun to watch. I thought. Yeah, well, Pakistan is Pakistan, but uh, yeah, you, yeah, you never quite knew who was going to uh, you know front up when they played. Uh, but they always seem to have a much more quality bowling attack with whatever series they. They played. I mean, you, you always knew it was going to be at least two of uh, of, of Akram or Yunus or Shobaktar or even the other guys, Mohammad Zahid and Mohammad yeah. Akram, and uh, they yeah. always had just fast guys. You know, always had fast yeah. guys. They always had good spinners. You know, uh, um, but it was always always the uh, the batting that was prone to uh, yeah, and fielding as well. They were they were just terrible in the field, drop catches, and the team of Phil Tufnels most of the time. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, you know just going back to that '95 West Indies tour. I know you know you put it up on Twitter just a, a couple of weeks ago, a week or so ago, about those uh, those photos that they were selling. You know those limited yeah. edition yeah. photos. <laughs> I've, I've got I've got one of those. I've no, got no one way. of those. Um, yeah, 150 bucks, and I got it framed. And uh, you know it's been it was at home in Australia because you know when I moved overseas, I just sort of left it. But then I said to Dad a few years ago, I said, Dad send it over man i've got to get it up so now uh, i'm trying to find a place here to put it up in my house it doesn't mean a whole lot obviously to my wife and kids they've, they were born and raised here or my wife is from peru actually but uh you know so crickets cricket's not a big thing here in uh, in this household but uh they're going to see that up in the house pretty soon <laughs> yes indeed yeah they, they were, for a couple of years uh well they, they got old pretty quick because tony yeah. was uh was selling them like you know like the guy on TV is selling the steak knives, you know, it, it, it yeah. just, it all became a bit tacky. Um, and, uh, and the fans were just, uh, were cringing over some of the, yeah. And some of the ones yeah. they were selling weren't even cricket. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. That's the thing. Cause I think that, I think the Warpath one was like, you know, the second or third one that they had yeah. and they were still kind of unique, but then, then you're right. They just started then like, uh, Mark Taylor hits a hundred, like let's, you know, against someone in Sydney and it's like, well, that doesn't really mean anything, you know. The, the first couple yeah. actually had some meaning behind them. Yeah. Uh, but I guess they sold they sold well enough that they thought, you know, let's just let's just start pumping them out now and uh, until as well as long as people keep buying them. Yeah, and after that, they they started doing bats that were just randomly signed, without yeah. a whole lot of uh, context. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like a captain's bat or something, and you thought, oh come yeah. on, man, like a captain's bat, really? Um, I mean, it's okay. But uh, they were just trying to come up with any way they could just put whatever signatures on, onto bats, and uh, yeah, it thankfully it all sort of ended <laughs> for a couple of years because <laughs> yeah. it uh, and the prices went up too. They, it, they went 150 bucks after a couple yeah. of years. That was like five hundred thousand dollars. Limitation yeah. of fifty for like two thousand. It was like, come on, Tony. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wind it up, pal. <laughs> <laughs> well, we uh, it's this has been awesome, uh, Rob. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. Um, I, I really enjoy all the work you've been doing. So, just uh, in case people don't know where to follow you, you're, you're on Twitter at uh, Robolinda Two, correct? And is that across all uh, social media yeah, platforms, actually, Facebook yeah. and yeah, yep. great. Okay, well, uh, yeah, man, keep it up. You, you, you're certainly keeping people um, entertained, and uh, I'll, I'll leave you with this one to see if you can find it. I, I tweeted <laughs> to you, but I know you've been, you've, you've got a ton of, uh, a ton of requests coming through. It's Joe Angel against Richie Richardson at Perth in '93. He tries to send him in a bouncer, and uh, and Richie, Richie puts him about 25 rows back. I think he hooks him, 
He hooks him over there. So uh, he does. Have you, have you got, got time? I've already done it. I'll actually tag you in it. Oh, I oh, probably okay, didn't tag yeah. you. I, I probably didn't tag you in it, but I saw it and I, and right. I went straight to it. Uh, he hits. He hits two sixes actually, and then gets caught on, on yeah. the boundary. Yeah, yeah. That's when Richie had the great big uh, sombrero almost yeah. hang out there when he used to play. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> and Joe Angel. Joe Angel, I think I think um, Australian cricket, uh, the board thought that Joe Angel might have been the next big thing, but uh, his career, his career didn't last all that long, unfortunately, in the, for Australia. No, it didn't. I, I, I liked Big Joe, but uh, he was he was on a short leash. There was uh, one innings, you don't get wickets where you get smashed. Goodbye. Um, yeah. <laughs> maybe you should be wearing a blue cap, eh? Because I think the uh, yeah. the golden Western Australia cap probably didn't do him any favours. <laughs> no, no, I think you're right there. <laughs> All right, Rob. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for your time uh, and keep up the great work. No problem. Love to chat. Thanks. Thanks.